0: Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip interviews multifamily advisor, Mark Allen. Here's Philip.
1: All right, we are back with another episode of the Ask Philip podcast, and I got a special guest today. It's been a long time coming. This is the man, Mr. Mr. Multifamily is what I call him. That's what he saved in in my phone. If, I, if anybody ever asked me about anything multifamily, owning, buying, doing deals in multifamily, I'm like, you never heard of Mark Allen? <laughs> What's going on? So, I appreciate you coming on the show today, Mark.
2: Oh, Phil, it's great to be here and uh, you know, I think you got an incredible podcast. It's great to be part of it. Well,
1: thanks. Thanks. Let's let, let's talk about your origin story cuz you've you've had a long history in real estate and it's taken you a while to to get to where you are, which is your top of the food chain now, man. I I I really am proud to know you and see where you are cuz I, you know, I kind of know your story and know how, you know, yeah. how tough it was to get where yeah. you are now
2: it's definitely been a journey um so you know uh you know majored in in real estate and so forth uh initially at uh unt with dr john s bain uh if you know bain you know he's a really great guy and uh so then went to uta and majored in real estate there president student side of real estate research real estate in west africa on a fellowship and Kind of after that, worked for a few banks, and then I got to the point I was flying around the country buying up mortgages in bulk. And my frat brother uh, and uh, I—my frat brother was from Sacramento. He saw what I was doing, and he was like, "Hey, you know," he took a home equity line of credit on his mom's house, and I mean, we went to town. We started buying up houses that were around, you know, anywhere from zero to about eighty thousand. Uh, kind of blue collar locations, um, properties that if, you know, most people can afford to live in. Of course, over time, um, you know, we, you know, the, then you got hit with the, uh, the uh, crisis, the financial crisis uh, or, you know, the 2008, uh, you know, kind of situation kicked in and we had a mortgage company and that real estate investment company. Um, And so uh, during that time, he went back and got an MS in real estate. And so did I. And so after that, um, you know, it was still, it was like 2010. And so I pursued, um, you know, getting into brokerage uh, and commercial brokerage between Houston and DFW and the, the you know, the market was still icy. And, uh, I remember, uh, Ed and Walker was at Cushman and Wakefield then, and he, you know, made sure that I got to meet with all the service line leaders at Cushman. And there was one seat available and, uh, the guy and I met, it was an industrial guy. It was like, you know, man, Mark, I really, really like you. And then he was like, but uh, my son is getting ready to graduate from TCU. <laughs> and so I'm going to save this seat for him. It's just tough out there. And so I ended up getting a seat uh, in Fort Worth with Steve Fithian uh, over at SVN. And um, I was with him for about three years and, you know, started you know, really making some noise and, you know, some of these same companies started calling, wanting to have lunch, wanting to get some <laughs> coffee and, you know, they could see, you know, I was putting some numbers up and so I ended up uh, signing a deal at Marcus and Milchap in uh, Fort Worth and I was on a team there um, and, you know, that team leader, uh, he had his own way of doing things to say the <laughs> least. And so, uh, you know, we, 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 We were doing really good, but it was just some elements there that uh, didn't fit with what I wanted to do and where I was going. So I went to the Dallas office of Marcus Milchap and created a team. And um, a young man and I by the name of uh, John Ross, uh, he was my underwriter and then uh we brought Cortland came on the scene Cortland charles and then amar hare uh we all started working together and we had we created some really good synergy did a lot of deals together and um i signed with uh i uh, signed with colliers at the end of december they you know tapped me to come over and kick off uh, the multifamily team there and uh it's been great and so uh definitely you know I've got tons of stories deal stories um, it's been exciting it's I've witnessed some crazy stuff and thankful to be a part of some really cool deals.
1: Yeah, no no good man. And so it, this is a good timing cuz on a previous podcast episode you know I was going over my economic update and I was just ex- talking about, you know, growth and inflation drive all asset classes. And so, you know, um you you basically can roll it down to people are bullish on the dollar or people are bearish on the dollar. And if people are bearish on the dollar, like the world is positioned to be for the next 10 years, what you want to own is gold, real estate, and it's a reason why Bitcoin is doing well. And so I'm, I'm teeing it up because a lot of people are like, well, man, multifamily and real estate is, ex- is expensive. Uh, everybody's into it. And my deal is, no, not if, not if you study, you know, what happens in these periods of time because it really hasn't gotten started, you know, yet, uh, uh, and we're in a unique market because we're in Texas too where everybody in the world is moving. So, so like, um, what are your thoughts about that? Like, what are you seeing in the multifamily market in Dallas and really everywhere else?
2: Well, I think we're very fortunate to be in Dallas. Um, when I look at uh, the coastal markets, for sure, you know, they've always, you know, beat us on appreciation, you know, because they've got a lot of arms and legs out there, lots of density. And, you know, they've got the ocean and, you know, all these great things and exciting cities. Uh, but what's happening is their their regulations, their housing regulations and so forth are so challenging for owners um, and you know, it's tough for them to get the returns that they need. And so we're getting tons of capital migration hovering over Dallas from New York and, uh, you know, California. And now there's a lot of issues going on in Seattle with their housing regulations. They've got a huge homelessness problem. Mm-hmm. And so the rules are they favor the tenant and it's putting uh, some of the, you know, land owner the landlords in tough situations because at the end of the day they have debt associated with the properties and so if they if they can't receive rent you know that that bill has to be paid um, that rent ha- that mortgage has to be paid from somewhere and so here recently to your point um, there was a family that uh, reached out to me uh, they have about fifty one million liquid and they're like you know we've got to park this and you know, into metals and real estate and so forth. We can't hold this in liquid because of, you know, they're concerned about the stimulus, you know, they're like, they feel the dollar will weaken because of this. And so they're looking at uh, parking it in some multi-town men. Of course, I'll be happy to help them with that. So. uh, Okay.
1: And so, and so outside of Dallas, are there, uh, because we talked offline about like other opportunities you see across, across the, um, uh US, what what are some of the other markets
2: you see that, that are also um I think good to be expanding into at the moment? I think Phoenix is good. Uh North Carolina North Carolina is a great place to be. Um when you look at Phoenix, you know it's uh you know, they're getting a lot of population migration there. Um and you know, they're getting hit hard from Californians as usual, but then they also get hit with people from the Midwest. Um and they Have a lot of sprawl similar similar to what we do because you know in essence it's a big desert right Mm -hmm. but their pricing is a little bit you know higher than uh, what we're accustomed to here Uh, North Carolina is good Um, you know it's good people there and a good you know fertile land and so forth Uh, Atlanta has always been one that kind of sticks out and I think. Atlanta has always been a few years behind us. I think they um, they don't have the roads and you know the infrastructure, and then some of the companies that we do here in Dallas. But it's still a good place to mm-hmm. kind of jump in in terms of price per door. Uh, it's a little bit easier to get in there. I think with Dallas right now, it's tough for investors to buy in Dallas right now because there's so much demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. All day we're getting phone calls from people that want to invest here in Dallas. It's, it's nuts. And so right now is a good time for anyone out there, whether you're thinking of doing uh, you know, residential investing, multifamily. I think it's a, you want to get in front of this because you've seen the numbers. I think here in the last year in Texas, we got 379,000, uh, new people show up to decide to live here. And pre COVID we were getting a person like what one, every three to four minutes, a new resident Mm -hmm. uh, popping in. So I think right now we're in a, a good, uh, place, but we have to take advantage of it. So. Yeah, yeah,
1: and and, and like the, the people that are wanting to buy it, how do they see multifamily in their overall portfolio? Meaning, is it, I'm assuming it's not a speculative asset, it's more like a, hey, this is where I put my safe money, right? Money that I want to generate income on, is that kind of how, to, or, or, or what are they, how
2: are they thinking about it? it it's, a, it's, it's funny because it's, uh, the social media has changed, uh, you know, how we do business forever. And so, once upon a time, you would have uh, organizations out there that would syndicate. You know, meaning you know, you, I, uh, you know, and our buddies would get together, put in X number of dollars, and we'll use that as our down payment. And okay, great, we own this apartment building. And so it was going on, but it wasn't just as, uh, it, you know, like people weren't marketing it in the way that they do today. So what's happening is. You've got so many different new syndications. We're in the information age, so you've got all of these syndications popping up. And so, uh, once guys and girls have this information of how to syndicate, then they want to raise the funds and run out and buy uh, property. Whereas before, maybe it was mom and pop. You know, they saved their money over the years. They bought this apartment building after they bought a bunch of rentals, and you know, or if it was a syndication, maybe it's a CPA and a couple of, you know, his attorney friends or whatever, and it was done relatively quiet. You know, today, you know, it's not like that. You've got uh, some really good syndication groups out there. Uh, you know, Sumra comes to mind. I know Alvin Johnson is doing a deal now. Uh, Dustin Miles has a great syndication group. So there's a few that, um, you know, that I would refer and recommend to people. But now it's just so many guys and girls want to do it. And so that in itself creates, uh, you know, demand in the market. And so then on top of that, you've got uh, organizations that have been here, you know, for 20 years and they own 30,000 units and they're very sophisticated and, you know, they're in the market as well. And so you've got all these new syndications sprouting up. You have mom and pops that have been in it forever. Then you've got family offices that are very sophisticated, and maybe they have a war chest of 100 million, and they're all looking for the same type of property Mm -hmm. at times. And so that's causing our cap rates to compress and or the value of our assets to go up on top of... Now you've got problems in New York with rent control. So they're coming here. They're selling their property. People in Chicago are getting out of Chicago. They're looking at Dallas. They're you know it's So we're getting these calls. And so right now, if you're an owner of multifamily and DFW, you're a cat in a canary cage to mm-hmm. a certain degree. But if you sell, what are you going to buy? Right. right. And so we have to be creative in helping our clients, you know, dispose of an asset and then work to put them in something that's gonna be uh, good for them and have great returns and put them in a good situation. So, so like, I know, I know it depends on a lot, you know, what
1: class, property, where it is, but like, what are the cap rate ranges snapshot uh, realistic, like, and we could be conservative, so realistic cap
2: rate, conservative range Today It is, I mean, Philip, this is crazy. So here's the deal. Um, You know, five years ago, uh, let's take a 1975 built property, let's say it's in East Arlington. Uh, That property, uh, and I I did one, okay, so let's take Garden Park, for example. Garden Park, uh, the guy bought it for, as I recall, Around seven five, and then he paid uh, the yield maintenance, so he was able to put fresh debt on it for about you know nine point one. Okay, a couple of years pass, you know I put a guy in it for you know twelve million. A couple of years pass, you know uh, I think it sold for around fifteen million. So the values, you know, deals that used to be around you know fifty a door are now at seventy five eighty thousand dollars per unit, and you know, and that's the, what we're seeing as it pertains to the demand, and mm-hmm. also what um, the different things that you can do once you buy an apartment. So for to create value. So let's say you own this apartment building; it's a hundred units. Um, you're not charging for parking. Uh, you're paying for the water expense, right? So the next guy comes along and says, "You know what? I'm going to charge for parking." right? But it's a hundred units. And so now that 15 or 25 bucks or whatever it is Mm -hmm. on those parking spaces adds up pretty quick every month. And the guy goes, you know what? I don't want to pay for their water anymore. I can't, you know, so he'll pass that water expense off to the tenant as well. Mm -hmm. Again, increasing his um, net operating income, changing the value of the property, and you know maybe they decide okay I'm going to go in here I'm going to put some new flooring in I'm going to paint I'm going to uh, take out these white appliances put some new uh, black appliances in here and add some uh, brushed nickel fixtures to the cabinets and now I'm going to charge another you know hundred to hundred and fifty dollars per unit mm-hmm. okay so again on a hundred units all of this makes a huge difference to your bottom line and so then that asset trades and, you know, uh, you know, the, the beat goes on at the end of the day, the tenant is on the hook for all of this. right? Right. And so you're just passing that off to the tenant. And so what's interesting though, is all of this can make sense with when we put it in our spreadsheets. Right. But at the end of the day, if this is workforce housing, you're dependent on that guy or girl to go out there and you know, pay that rent, right? And so, uh, yeah, it's more challenging every day, right? It's more challenging every day, and so, but it's we're in Dallas, Fort Worth, yeah. So, plenty
1: of people coming in, yeah,
2: yep. Yeah, and our, we got a bullish government, and so you know we're open for business. We're mm-hmm. pushing and shoving every day. Companies are coming to Texas, and so yeah. there's a lot of work uh, to be done. I mean, you guys drive around, you can see all the distribution centers being developed. And so, So, where Texas is a great place to be.
1: So, so what I heard, you you have a lot that are coming in to do like a turnaround project. But if somebody's like buying and just collecting, you know, collecting the income, are there still attractive deals relative to putting your money in the bank and earning?
2: They are, and so I think, so we would call uh, the deals that you're going to go in and improve, we'd call those value-add deals, right? Okay. And so, to your point earlier, there's classes, there's class A, there's class B, and there's class C. And so, to my point earlier, it was, you know, yesterday we were looking at uh, 7% cap rates for, let's say, that 1975 built deal. Today, that's going to be around 5% cap that's rate. That's still pretty good. I mean, that.
1: Rel- rel- I mean, you... 10-year is paying one, you know, 1.1. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. But then think about this, Philip. Before, a 5% cap rate would mean a Walgreens, just a coupon clipper. Like, I'm going to park my capital here. I'm going to get very minimal rent increases. My money's going to be nice and secure at Walgreens mm-hmm. and this Walgreens uh, building, right? It's triple net deal, You know, perfect. Because you're buying multifamily because you can, oh, I can bill back for water. I can make these adjustments and get this growth, right? And so, but it's still a good investment because you can still depreciate. You can still write off all that interest. And at the end of the day- You're getting 2% appreciation a year. I mean, I know we get more in Dallas, but, you
1: know, you get the appreciation plus the- Yeah,
2: we're getting, and some some sub markets in Dallas, you might see that go from, you know, it could be 6%. Irving is one that you get strong appreciation. Uh, I'm not going to, well, you know, so I had a a client, um, he bought the building for 4.8, and I think he sold it for like 13 or so million. What's funny is when we, that particular deal, and we we were just on a Zoom, so I think it's okay for me to share this story. So uh, we're doing this deal. It's 4.8 million, 142 units in Irving a lot of people wanted this deal. This was some years ago. And people were flying in from the West Coast and whatever to look at this deal. And he calls me up. He's like, Mark, I really want to buy this property. I'm like, well, you need to pay non-refundable earnest money day one of execution of the the PS, the purchase sale agreement. So he did and he paid full list price. And so there were 30 units that were completely renovated because there was a fire. So there was still some insurance issues and he was assuming the loan, um, which was a 3.85% rate. And this is like, you know, let's call it five years ago or so, which is good. It was a great rate even then. Mm-hmm. And so it took longer than normal because of the property at once had a fire. So we're getting, finally getting ready to close. And a woman, it was around Thanksgiving, a woman was cooking and got, uh, she set 12 more units on fire. Mm. Okay. So now those units are down. And then there was an earthquake in Irving. I don't know if you guys remember this. And so one of the pools was damaged, right? <laughs> okay. And we're, we're just as we're getting ready to close. But what's funny is, since it took so long for uh, the assumption process, the property appreciated by a million dollars. So now, you've the property uh, that you're under contract for 4.8 is worth 5.8 and there's a uh, insurance check for 700,000 and you've got, you already have the manpower to update those units yourself. Right. And so now he's fussing about the swimming pool, wanting the seller to give him $40,000. <laughs> I'm like, look, man, <laughs> you need to just close the deal. And like, we're arguing like for a few days about this. And, um, you know, the seller's like, look, we don't want to close anyway. Let him go. <laughs> we want to keep this property. Tell him to beat it. How can we get out of this contract right, with him? Right, right. And so finally it did close. And then, uh, so he won really big on that and then later sold it, as I've mentioned, for like 13 odd million dollars or so. So, nice. so it worked out really well. That's yeah. the power of multifamily is the ability to increase those rents. So some people look at those units like stocks, right? I've got 142 units. So each unit, they look at like you would look at a stock. How how can I push this and make it an increase? Yeah,
1: no, I got it, got it. And so um, we talked off air too about um, debt being in a unique position right now, and you know, expand on that. What do you mean by
2: you know debt being a? Opportunity, I guess? Well, there's, uh, it's kind of weird right now. So, on one side, our interest rates have dropped faster than we thought that they would, right? Because they were already low. Mm -hmm. And so, um, here in the last four to five years, uh, we were excited to have, you know, four and a quarter percent interest rates and so forth. And so, uh, a lot of people refinanced to, to take advantage of that or bought a property at four and a half, four and a quarter. And so now some of them want to sell their properties, but the challenge is um, they have, most of these deals are Fannie and Freddie loans. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac insured agency loans, which is great because if push comes to shove, you can just turn the keys in back to the lender. And there's no personal recourse. And so that's why people love it. If you go to a regular bank, say let's say you go to Citizens Bank or something, well, there would be recourse. And so people tend not to use conventional loans because of that. So with that being said, Fannie, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans are also tied to the US Treasury, right? So their prepayment penalty and or their yield maintenance the lower our interest rates are, the higher that yield maintenance goes up. So uh, case in point, we were working on a deal, um, at the top of, of 2020. And I was really excited about it. Of course it was 15 and a half million. (laughs) Um, and the, the guy that I was, uh, uh, representing the family I was representing, I actually helped them acquire that property. And, um, and so I think they bought it for 12 and we're on the market at 15 and a half and we were getting uh, 15 and a half um, million dollar offers. And this was, they only held it for a couple of years, but they had uh, Fannie Mae debt on it, which, okay, you got to assume this loan and everything. And so um, as we're going into it, you know, of course, interest rates started to drop. So the yield maintenance, you know, it wouldn't make sense for someone to come in and put fresh debt on it. And so as we're, Finally, negotiating this one contract with this family, we get hit with COVID, and so the lender says, "Hey, um, you know, not only uh, does your uh, is this prepayment disgusting, should the buyer want to assume this uh, loan that's in place, you have to put up twelve months of debt service payments in reserves for like a year." So. And we're talking you know, a relatively large loan, so that debt service ended up being like one point two fifty, So $1,250,000, they would have to just leave with Wells Fargo for a year, hmm. just sitting in reserve. But they were already paying 20% down, no, 25% down a $15.5 million, and it's just a mom and pop family. So that was just too much for them to bear. Now that happened across the United States, halting a lot of transactions because of COVID. So now that we're kind of coming out of this a little bit, um, now you've got all these loans that have these four and a half percent interest rates, and a buyer can now get a three percent or so interest rate on a new loan. So they they don't want these four and a half percent interest rate deals out mm-hmm. there. They don't want to assume that if they can just get it a little bit cheaper, then mm-hmm. you know that's what they prefer. But you know, the demand, I think, is going to cause people to look at those four and a half percent assumptions a little different because what are you going to do? Right. Are you going to stay in Manhattan and get your hat handed to you? And, or are you going to leave and come to Texas and have no state tax, uh, you know, rent rent rent? Laws in the in favor of the landlord and all these jobs and everything, and just have a higher, a little bit higher interest rate. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so explain it to me. So let's say let's say you got the you say the assuming
1: the Fanny and Freddie is four and a half, mm-hmm. but you can get three. Why can't they just get the
2: three? Well, okay. So let's say you own this two hundred unit apartment building. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, you know a loan for twelve million dollars at four and a half percent, and if I want to pay it off. Because the interest rates have dropped, that loan is associated. It's tied into the treasury, so there's like an inverse relationship. The the lower the interest rates are in the market, the higher my prepayment penalty is going to be. Got
1: it. Okay, that makes sense. So, so it it makes the three percent not as attractive because yeah, because if
2: if you pay that off, that may end up costing you, let's hypothetically a million and a half dollars just to go straight to the lender Mm -hmm. and. Got that it. would just throw the whole, yeah, your whole sense. returns way off. Makes sense. Here's, here's another
1: question that I had too. Like um, with the, in the uh, CARES Act bill and this new bill, mm-hmm. I saw something in there that said um, tenant relief. Does, does that play out in the multifamily market? Like how does that,
2: how does that work? Yeah. So basically in, uh, you know, the in the relief packages, the, you know that those funds are dispersed basically to cities and counties, okay. right? And so they can uh, issue, they can allocate some of it. Each city and county can kind of allocate. They they elect how they want to allocate those funds. So here in Tarrant County, uh, they had it set up to where, uh, in essence, tenants could go and you know kind of file for that and get uh, some rent relief and get that paid to their landlords got basically. It, got it. And so in some cases, I think the city of Fort Worth took some and they bought a hotel and, and did, you know, renovated that and and doing something really cool for homeless, homelessness. And so you could kind of allocate that a certain kind of ways, but the city of Dallas, I forget the dollar amount that they had, but I mean, you know, those uh, tenants went out there and ate that up relatively quick. Mm -hmm. And so I think in this next bill as well, there's also going to be, um, some things in there for banks, right? To kind of help save off some foreclosures. I know that's been coming up a lot and some people think it's going to be kind of like Mad Max Thunderdome. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right, you right, know, right. There's going to be some, uh, you know, foreclosures out there, but I don't think we're going to see, you know, 2008 or, you know, th- those kind of levels this time. Yeah, just nah. because, I mean, you, no one wants to see mom and a kid just, you know, just out out there like that, especially if you're going to issue nine hundred billion dollars. Right. right, they're going to figure a way to yeah. work through some of this stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. And then
1: and and Biden's about to come back with another yeah. one point nine trillion once you know cause it comes through. Well, hey. um Anything else that's important to add, man? This is some good stuff. These are all uh, questions
2: that I've been having. Yeah, so let's talk about it. So if we're seeing this kind of growth in terms of this price, these prices are continuing to in- increase. So some of uh, the investors are saying, okay, well, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to pay roughly $100,000 per unit on a 1970s built deal, right, when I could go potentially go develop A brand new building with a lower, a low interest rate, and get a brand new product. Then let me do that. And Mm -hmm. so our team has, uh, you know, we've picked up a few land parcels that we're working on right now, and uh, you know, so that's been going pretty good. And having a lot of dialogue on that, and we I think, we're due to get a few more parcels here soon. So, land in Texas is a good investment right now if you want to, if you have some land or. Um, you're looking at some parcels, it wouldn't hurt you, because with the population growth and everything, the way it's going, I mean, if you're you know, at all in a position to do any kind of uh, real estate investing, it's a good time to do it.
1: So, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, this, this, is, so this is some of the stuff that I'll do like on a Saturday when I'm bored. So I was like, you got all this money printing, but it's not really showing up yet in energy prices, it's not showing up in the regular stuff that we buy from the grocery store yet, is showing up in housing, you know, um, a lot, housing and education, right? The money printing, you know, housing and education. So I, I was like, okay, we obviously know that on the West Coast, uh, I don't know the East Coast, but I got some clients that were on the West Coast. They were like, yeah, we've, we've been used to having 50% of our paycheck go to housing, like, wow. since the 90s, yeah. right? Texans, we're like, what? You know, um, I don't know what it is in the East Coast. And, that, and I, like, Googled. I was like, okay, so Japan's been printing money since, like, the early 90s. Like, they, they've they had below 1% interest rates since 94. I was like, typed in, you know, um, what does the average uh, Tokyo citizen, you know, l- live in? It was something like 97% of them live in a 500-square-foot apartment, right? Whew. That they pay 500, 500, like, U.S. dollars, the tra- equivalent of U.S. dollars, um, you know, f- for that. And I'm like, ah, that is the result of money printing, right? It's not this basket of goods they measure as inflation that goes up. It's, you know, it's, it's housing costs, right? Because what do people that get, when they print the money, it goes to people, like they're just going to buy assets, right? Uh, for the most part, because it's only so much, um, you know, that you need. And so I was like, man, that's, that's a really good arbitrage between like Texas, you know, and Tokyo. Right? I mean, that's a big jump, but even Texas in LA or Texas in New York, yeah. I'm like, the arbitrage between, you know cuz the middle middle income person is already in my opinion priced out of buying a new home in in Texas i'm talking about like one person Buying a home on a forty thousand house house like, like they yeah. could, they like, yeah. they can't do that anymore. Not not here.
2: No, not if they want to live live next door to you folks. They they sure can't do that. But uh, <laughs> but I'm saying that to your point, that inflation is something that that you want to look at, right? Because with all the uh, capital migration coming here and the the you know the printing of the 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 currency, I there's uh, I was on the phone with an investor. He does very well, and he's like banking. He's hoping that we get inflation because he's like, look, I own all of these units. I'm locked in with this low interest rate. So he's banking that, okay, he's going to be able to charge so much more for rent and then be able to pay off his debt faster and basically because of inflation. And he's like, oh, I'm going to really win big. And so again, my point is right now, and, you know, you want to try to grab some of this stuff because right. our population is getting out of control. Right. And,
1: and, so. and it's the arbitrage. And where I was going with it was when you're talking about new construction, I was like, that's what's going to happen. And wh- where, I, where I was asking the question was, I'm like, yeah, if you do new construction and you just make stuff smaller, you know, you make it affordable and the market has to kind of take it. Right. Because what are the alternatives?
2: Well, you know, we were in Phoenix and we're and, uh, um Murphy and I went to Phoenix and we w- we're visiting with a developer and he's doing a completely different style of multifamily. So basically, and we've got some of those companies from Phoenix that have recently arrived here in Dallas and Steve Brown re- re- reported it. So this is what they're doing. They're taking like a kind of like an apartment, um, uh, floor plan and putting it in a very small home. And basically building a community of those, it's, it's built to rent. And mm-hmm. so you're getting a clubhouse, you're getting a swimming pool, you're getting a weight room, you know, you're getting some of these amenities that are fun and cool. And the floor plans include like little doggy doors and it's getting you a very small backyard with, you know, a little grill and like some astro turf. And so instead of having a guy, you know, on top of your head or, you know, everything, it's all right there, but it's it's just like an apartment building. Ah, uh, so that's nice. Yeah, that is, it's nice. And so we're going to see those, uh, and they're in some cases cheaper to develop than the garden style uh, apartments that we're accustomed to seeing, and they're cheaper to maintain because now you don't have a, let's say, an AC unit on the roof or, you know, the, some of the plumbing issues that you would have and so forth. And so, and the material that they're using. So, it's, it's, there's different companies. Uh, one company is like, we're going to do the bare minimum amenities. We're just going to pack people in there, just get as many arms and legs in there as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And, but they're making money hand over fist. Right. And then uh, there's another company out there and they have a better product. Um, that, you know, looks really, really nice. And so we're going to see that happen. And I think developers, you know, they don't have to necessarily build these communities the same way. There's also some loan products that will allow a developer to get, you know, some really great financing and develop these kind of communities. So you don't have to just, okay, here's a lot. And I'm waiting on, you know, uh, Jim and Susie to come in and buy it. No, let's just develop the whole thing and lease all of it. Yeah, yeah. And so, but to your point, after you have this stuff out there, it's almost like, what else can you buy? It's like thinking about right. if you drive down the street and you want something to eat, well, there's Jack in the Box, <laughs> there's Subway, like there's only, mm-hmm. what are your options? You can go in the grocery store or that grocery store and that's it. Right, So, right. Yeah, no, and it's always a problem of people not having somewhere comfortable to
1: live in. Um, yeah, I mean- yeah, I'm glad I asked that question because I knew you knew the answer to it. So well I, I appreciate you coming and sharing your knowledge. I know I know I probably interrupted you making a million dollars. You could have made like a million dollars in the last thirty minutes, but I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna make a million
2: dollars just talking to you, Philip. Hey, hey look, you know, look, I'm looking look. forward to uh figuring out a way to get some some of that Bitcoin stuff going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. See y'all hear it? Look, we we're we're converting Bitcoiners every episode. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, and and how can folks uh, get a hold of you if they're interested in getting some more information? Hey, hey, y'all, listen, like, look, Mark is is serious multifamily. Don't, like, interview him with, like, $4 in your checking account talking
2: about, I want to buy an apartment complex. Oh, yeah. Well, Philip, we can be reached at dot com. .com. All of our information is there. We would love to work with you. Uh, We've got guys that uh, focus on, you know, 75 units and under as well as, you know, 75 units and above, so we can help some of everybody out there and would love to work with you. Well, hey, thanks, man. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Phil.
1: Those of you who haven't been at my website, go to StonehillWealthManagement.com. Click on the 401k tab. We got a Stonehill 401k service that you've probably heard about. It's great for businesses that are small businesses, businesses between zero and maybe 150 employees. Uh, We provide love and service to the employees about how to plan and invest for retirement and a whole host of other uh, benefits that we give. It's all on the site. Check it out, Stonehill401k.com. We create startup plans and help with selecting the investments and educating and advising our clients on how to invest and how to best reach their retirement goals.
0: If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk.